Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On 3. And guys, high school football season is here. It starts tonight for the state of Texas. It started earlier, obviously, last week for some of the other states. Uh, but two Texas commits in action tonight, Jerry. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Daniel Cruz, a four-star Offensive lineman from Richland High. They take on Mansfield Legacy. I exchanged some texts this morning with Daniel Cruz. He's starting at center tonight. First game officially at center. He's going to play center and left tackle uh, this season for Richland. He's playing center tonight and defensive tackle. So his mauling of human beings begins, oh, I don't know, in less than 12 hours uh, because Daniel Cruz is going to get after you on the interior. Good morning, UT boy. Uh, St. Pete Beach. Saw somebody from St. Pete Beach. Awesome. Ardmore, Las Vegas, Pennsylvania. Uh, but Daniel Cruz takes the field tonight. Uh, he'll be the first Texas commit to take the field. Uh, then Aaron Hampton at Dangerfield. They're taking on Gladewater. Great small town East Texas game. Aaron Hampton, you can see him at wide receiver scoring touchdowns, special teams, and a little bit on defense. Two Texas commits. On the field tonight, I believe Justin Wells is going to go over and watch Timpson play. We don't know if Terry Bussey's going to play tonight, though. I, I, there, there's a feeling he may not. He's coming off that knee injury, still rehabbing. He may not be quite ready to go, but we'll see if he takes the field tonight. I think there's bigger things at play later in the season for Timpson, so no reason to rush him back. Williamson, West Virginia, hadn't seen that one. South Korea, man. Man, I love all this morning from Connecticut. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so Texas high school football gets going tonight. Big time games Friday. Uh, KJ Lacey, 2025 quarterback commitments on ESPN Family and Networks, guys. So um, check out KJ Lacey. Ryan Williams, one of the best wideouts I've seen in years. The five star committed to Bama. And there's a four star D tackle in 2025 Texas is after. So it's going to be a great slate of high school football. No doubt about it. I can't believe it's finally here. Oh, I want to go see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, do a live cool stream trip. from there. <laughs> definitely a cool trip for sure all right well the other news the big news from yesterday of course we had a couple of uh texas players take the stand one of them for the first time with the media bobby i'm gonna let you talk about that yeah ad mitchell uh xavier worthy and uh type sweat uh were able to, to join for media sessions yesterday uh for the longhorns uh ad mitchell uh you know this is interesting to me because it's his first time going to the podium as a Longhorn. He didn't talk to Texas uh, media at all on uh, uh, during the spring. Uh, he seems like a, a real affable young guy. One of the things he really pointed out that I thought was interesting, uh, Jerry and Blake, Jerry, you in particular, we also always talk about the portal. And one of the reasons why he returned, his daughter. Yeah. Uh, he, he talked at length about how he wanted to get back to Texas where his daughter was, young daughter. Uh, and that's why he one of the main reasons why he transferred as well. He said that what was interesting and one of the things that he paralleled too, by the way, guys, was how in the spring he was just trying to get his footing, new, new atmosphere, new place, new culture, new campus, everything. Over the summer, he felt like the team came together. He felt like the whole team. And, and that's not the first time we've heard that comment. Yeah. Uh, from either uh, from anybody on the roster a lot of people have been talking about how over the summer they kind of became more and more of a team I thought that was uh, nice to happen uh, but but maybe my favorite thing that I heard yesterday was Tavondre Sweat talking yeah. about him we've got a new nickname we, we've talked about Bug and Jaron Thompson right Jerry yeah. 
Tavondre Sweat's nickname is Loaf. Yeah, meat meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, not loafer, not loafing, but not meatloaf. Loafing, but meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it may not be as good as snacks, which was Keandre Coburn's, which I I really loved. Um, that's one of the best ones. Uh, we need to come up with one for Sadir Mitchell. That we should do a live stream and just take comments from everybody. Let's Sadir <laughs> Mitchell a nickname at some point this season. Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sadir. He's a good guy. He's he was we, he was on this show last year. Yes, Gary. live yeah. from the IMG Future Fifty. Yeah, but, I mean, we probably it was probably there were a lot of people on in in this chat right now or watching us that had no idea that we had Sadir Mitchell on because we've grown so much. And thank you to all you guys for making that happen. But yeah, if you go back through some of our old videos, there's a great interview. Sadir Mitchell, really funny kid, great kid. We did at IMG Academy at Future Fifty live. Well, let's talk about the biggest news from yesterday. <laughs> Everybody's waiting on Bobby to come. What should we be talking about here? <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark's comments. I'm, Bobby, I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you go. Well, I want to know, Matt, do you have the, the comments ready for everybody to hear? All right. Let, let everybody listen to this. It's just kind of, I mean, there's dumb and then there's beyond dumb. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you, okay? And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. <laughs> what an idiot. Go, I, mean, just one, I mean, seriously, there, there, there's your commissioner of the Big 12, just a complete tool. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I mean, he belongs in the WWE, not in college sports, <laughs> in my opinion. I, I said that at the Big 12 media days. Then he has an associate uh, commissioner of the Big 12 go off and ha talk about how Texas didn't do this or didn't do that. The guy's a tool. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. The Big 12 is a clown show. It's been a clown show, and that's why Texas and OU are leaving. And the the temerity of him to say that they that that they were able to get Texas and OU out early. They wanted a paycheck. They leveraged it for more money to get get a deal with Fox. Yeah. Well, let's be clear. They did that though. Okay. Little 12 or whatever you're gonna end up wanting to call yourself. I mean. I, I give up. I, I think that, that what's no, happening. Like, no, the, the conference should be called Basketball with Brett. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a live stream every morning. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but the, the, the reality of it is, guys, is that this just shows once again the idea that people don't understand. I mean, the, the, the idea that Texas, we let them out, or we, we got them out early. We did that. What? You didn't do crap. I mean, you just sat at the helm and watched ESPN and Fox fight over getting Texas to the SEC. I mean, you did that. You made Texas play at Michigan and Ohio State because that really has something to do with the Big 12. No, that's the only way that Fox would let Texas out. You didn't do that. Michigan and Ohio State carry more weight than the entire Big 12 combined. Either one of them individually. Hey, look, I mean, the, the big, I mean, look, I am 
I want to say this. I'm not against Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, any of those schools. I am not. I don't harbor any ill will towards them. This woe is me shit, though, excuse my language, (laughs) has to stop. I mean, it's just, I mean, the text I got from some University of Texas leadership were embrace the hate. That was the number one. That's the first one. I'm going to read this other one. It's just, hold on one second, guys. I've got to bring it up. But it's so, (laughs) oh, uh, it's why we left. (laughs) Once we leave, no one will even listen to them. Classless. What's the point of being classless? I don't know. You tell me. But Brett Yormark and the WWE have it figured out. Uh, hey, look, I, I'm just glad the SEC took the SEC brass took his call and made sure that Texas and OU got out a year early. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, very nice of the SEC to help old Brett out there so he could build his basketball conference, <laughs> which will be good, by the way. Yeah, no, it will be. It's basketball with Brett, baby. There's your live stream. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in. Please do so. A lot of them already rolling in. But before we get to those questions. Both of y'all are going to be on the road today speaking uh, to some Texas exes. I want y'all to promote that just a little bit before we start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Texas exes, uh, the guys, uh, I will be up in Dallas uh, at uh, the new Tequila Social at 5 p.m. Speaking of the Dallas, Texas exes, uh, excited about to get up there. I think they already have over 100 RSVPs. So if you're up in Dallas and want to come out, uh, it's 5 p.m., at the new Tequila Social, uh, I think it's off of McKinnon there in Dallas. Give us a come on out, shake hands. Uh, I'll talk a little bit to the crowd and answer some questions. Uh, but I think it'll be a, a fun time uh, getting ready to, to to root on the horns this year. Yeah, I'm going to be down in Galveston at 11:45 uh, at Nick's uh, Restaurant and Beach Bar uh, there in um, in Galveston. So I'll, I'll get to talk in front of the water, which is one of my favorite things to do. Talk a little Texas football. And recruiting, I went down there last year, had a great time. Um, so we're very excited about that. Really get to talk to you guys, answer as many questions as possible. Uh, so have, have them fired up and ready to go. Hey, hey uh, Blake, I want to talk about one. I missed one yesterday. David Williams asked, he said, I'd like to readdress a question I asked yesterday. Of the committed DBs, um, you know, who do you, what do you think the chances are Texas could flip of the guys committed elsewhere? Bridges, Gibson, Wardell, Mack. Um, I think it's a great question. So what I would say right now is the only one we know for sure that's going to be on campus or that said he's going to be on campus is Wardell Mack for the Rice game. So we're starting with Wardell Mack because his recruitment while he committed to Florida seems pretty open. You know, you got plans to go to three other schools right now for games. Um, and I think that was Florida's fear when he committed is that uh, this that one would be a tough one for the Gators to hold on to. And they may well sign him. I'm not saying he's not going to go there. He really likes University of Florida and Gators football. Um, but this guy's definitely uh, this guy's definitely going to be on some campuses. So he's my starting spot. We'll see what else transpires with some other guys. Okay, guys, let's time let's get uh, time to get to some questions here. If I can spit that out, right? We got a super chat from james andrews thank you james and he says with the rule changes to keep clock running on first down shouldn't this help us overall given that sark gets big leads and will make it harder for teams to come back hey i want to add to this because we misspoke the other day guys um first of all let me say this so the first down rule they there will still be by the way 
a uh, clock stoppage after a first down in the last two minutes of halves. Right. It's the rest of the game that it will not have those clock stoppages. Yeah. So the last two minutes, there's still so throwing over the middle in the last two minutes of a half still possible. So I, let's cat let's rephrase that because I think I misspoke the other day. Um, in my haste, I was, I was talking about a lot of things, probably. All right. Second thing is, yes, this is one of the things that I love about Sark's ability to play call early and scheme people up and, and what he's able to be, been able to do the first two years in Austin is get to those leads. It puts more mounting pressure on the opponents to perform immediately. It Fewer possessions, if you get off to a bigger start, impact the game. I mean, it, it just does. I mean, Jerry, you, you agree with this? Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, look, Sark is a great game planner. We mentioned here yesterday morning that one of the best defensive coordinators we've seen said that Sark is a great game planner. I asked, I asked a question specifically, Sark and Lane, what did he like about each one? He said, Sark's a great game planner. And then he was like, Lane Kiffin may be the best in-game play caller he's ever gone up against. But Sark being a great game planner – and being a, being a guy that really gets off the good starts normally, um, I, I think he has the ability. I think Texas especially. Look, if you have a lot of weapons and you can put points on the board and you can kind of run away from some teams early, you have a huge advantage with this new uh, rule change. And I think offensively that's it, right? If you can get up big and you have the ability to run the ball, you can't be one-dimensional. Uh, maybe use the short passing game as your run game, but the ability to – um, kind of work the clock if you can get up into a big lead. I think that's very, very key here with the new rule change. Defensively, I think it's stopping the run on first down. It's never been more important. Uh, we got another super chat from Chris Tovar. And, Bobby, obviously you just gave your, your thoughts on it. But he says, um, thoughts on the commissioner's comments and what will the NCAA do to deal with it, if anything, and how does it affect the players' mindsets? They're clearly, clearly, I'll tell you what the NCAA is going to do. They're going to, to make incarnate word give up 10 wins in the 1972 <laughs> season. That's what they'll do. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, they're, the NCAA, by and large, is a feckless organization. It has been and will be until the end of time because they have no, author, no true authority other than that granted by its member institutions. I mean, the guy, Brett Yormark, belongs with the WWE. I'm glad he's now making friends with Baylor. I mean, it's just whatever. I mean, all decorum has gone out of college sports, I think, in that regard. Um, I, I definitely think it affects the player's mindset. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people, and I, and I agree with this, I think there's some bulletin board material now for Texas when uh, Texas Tech comes to Austin. I mean, do y'all not agree with that? No. Well, here's my hope for the te Texas game. I hope it. I hope a lot's on the line for Texas. Then you don't have to worry about any of this. And, and the other thing, I will add this from speaking to, with Kevin Eltife, the chair of the Board of Regents of the University of Texas, a couple of days ago. I asked him point blank about, "Are you worried about when we when Texas leaves, uh, the fact that the Longhorns are going to have to deal with officiating issues, et cetera?" He went into the horns down thing, which I think is legitimate, right? I mean, that, we all think that's kind of silly as long as it's not taunting. But I, I, I got to go back. I mean, 14 penalties to none in, mm -hmm. in Stillwater. Now, half of those 
to be fair, were false starts or offsides. So really, okay, let's go seven to none, right? That that's what we that's that's my problem with where Texas might might be uh, based on what I'm hearing and what what worries me. But uh, long story short, there's not much you can do about officiating, and the NCAA is not going to do crap to the commissioner of Big Twelve. Slap him on fifty thousand dollar fine. There we go. That's that's my guess. Fifty thousand dollar fine. Davey Fockett has a great comment, guys. He says, never seen Texas and OU fans more united. (laughs) It took basketball Brett to bring Texas and OU fans together. (laughs) Well, hey, while we're on the subject, there's a a question on the Inside Texas forums, and uh, it's from NSEC Country. He says, Bobby, I agree with your thoughts on your Mark's comments. A commissioner should not be rooting for one conference team over another. However, he came from the world of entertainment. I'm guessing part of his reason for his remarks were to stir interesting in the Texas yeah. Tech Texas game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think he's a bozo. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I think. I mean, the, it wasn't even that that he talked about the Texas Tech Texas game. That was that wasn't the part that I gave a crap about. We got Texas out of here early. We got Texas and Oklahoma out. Give me a break. You wanted a bigger chase. You tried to keep them as long as you possibly could by leveraging them. You're full of crap. You're just a liar. That's not entertainment. That's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie. I'd say it to his face. I'd say it to, I mean, Fox and ESPN execs probably just like bent over laughing from that. I mean, Texas and OU individually are worth more than the rest of that conference, in my opinion. So 100%. I'm not trying to be mean, but to act like you did you did Texas and Oklahoma a service or you didn't want them anyway, that's butthurt is what that is. I mean, that's just that's sour grapes. Now, this next question, I've actually seen a few people bring this point up. Jarrett Johnson says, it seems that UT takes the brunt of scrutiny for leaving the Big 12. Why do you think this is? OU seems to get a pass when it comes to remarks made by Big 12 administrators. Can can I tackle this one? Heck yeah. Okay, I mean, Oklahoma, great football program, uh, uh, traditionally right in history of college football. But this is like the Yankees and the Mets. To me, I mean, University of Texas is the Yankees. Uh, they're hated more nationally, right? Embrace the hate. Uh, that's why everybody, you see everybody doing horns down in a freaking Wisconsin game. <laughs> I mean, okay. Te- Texas is the Yankees. I mean, and, and Oklahoma's the Mets. I don't know any other way to put it. Good point. All right, well, we'll do a couple more about the subject before moving on. Yesterday, we talked about the uh, the referees and, you know, possibly bad officiating. But now that you heard those comments, let's revisit that. Corey J says, should we worry about refs this year? I can't believe how open he is on wanting a downfall from Texas and OU. I don't know how much that those comments will um, reverberate in the uh, officiating community, but I can't believe that they're going to be individually affected by them. I hope not. That would be a sad day in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I don't think so, but you never know these days. I Where people have gone with this stuff is is out there for me. All right, then we'll do one more, guys. This one from Mick Biscuit. He says, so what is his incentive to badmouth Texas? If I was CDC, I wouldn't schedule a Big 12 team ever again. 
I mean, his incentive is a bigger paycheck from the guys that he's putting his mouth up against their butts. I mean, he's he's going to get a contract extension. You know, he's going to make X instead of Y because he says stuff like that. That's that's his incentive, personally, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Nothing. He's not. Brett Yormark's not out for the Big 12. Brett Yormark's out for himself. Give me a break. I've, I've seen guys like that come and go all the time, and y'all have to. Everybody yeah. on the. I mean, everybody, hopefully everybody's like, yeah. yeah, we've seen these guys that are just, they're hucksters. That's what they are. And so they'll go on to the next shell game and we'll see him and he'll, he'll try to be the next, I don't know. I, I, he's going, I tell you what, WD, WWE's probably out there. What else could he do? Um, Fox is probably out there. They're, they're probably looking for a leader at some level that shakes things up. He'll be gone in five years or less, two or three years. All right. Well, let's let's move on to some actual football questions instead <laughs> of your mark the comments. Uh, so we got quite a few about Alabama, Ryan. So let's just start right there. King Me says Alabama returns only nine starters. Does that matter come game two? Um, <clears throat> offensive. So here's my take on Bama. Offensively, Alabama got to a point for a few years where they could actually overwhelm you with their talent offensively. I don't think they're there anymore. I think it matters offensively. Um, they, that doesn't mean they don't have Ja'Cory Brooks, who's a mid-round pick, some guys like that, right? They have talent. They have the right side of their offensive line. I think could go first round, first round. I think Tyler Booker's tremendous, and J.C. Latham's very, very, very good. Um, but they don't, outside of that, they don't have the talent that overwhelms you when a game starts defensively, I don't think it's going to matter. I, I think they got really, really, really good players. I actually think they've recruited better defensively. I think they went Kirby started cutting their knees a little bit in the front seven. I think Bam has kind of regained on that. Um, and, and I think Bama game two defensively with their talent. I don't think that matters how many starters they return or not. And that's a home game. If it was a road game, maybe, but offensively, they just can't overwhelm you with talent anymore, Bobby. <clears throat> I agree. I, I I just think they're they're they've got so much talent. Um, they and they do reload. Uh, the question I have is how are they going to move the football? The the running back, what's his name? Justice Haynes. Is that it, Jerry? Freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like him uh, because he can move piles. I, I'm 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 as worried about him than I am Jamarian Miller and those kind of guys and even Jalen Milrow. So they'll they'll try to find a way to make it a 2017 game and probably be somewhat successful. Okay, before we move on to the next question, Bobby, I'm going to let every, let you tell everybody about the sponsor today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've made it a point, uh, and Jerry and I, when we first started this, guys, we've made it a point uh, not to go and do um, uh, advertisements of people that we don't use or like. We've had... Uh, a lot of people pr approach us and we just don't do it. Um, but uh, I want that, that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to talk about our latest sponsor. It's Bird Dogs. It's a clothing and apparel company. And, and it's a real winner in my book. I really like their soft fabric shorts, the khaki pants. The pants, guys, look professional, but feel a lot less stiff. They even have cool fabric polos like the one I'm wearing this morning. Uh, go to birddogs.com forward slash on Texas or enter promo code on Texas for a free gift with your first purchase. 
Uh, this nifty branded bottle is good for coffee in the morning. I've been using it for a couple of days now. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas for a free gift to get one of these with every purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Again, really do endorse this company. I've been wearing them uh, for about six months now and really like them. Great shorts, man. I have I have them on right now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, man, if it's comfortable, it's comfortable. When you're I don't want to know anything about your shorts, guys. <laughs> I understand, though, but yeah. Hey, hey, Blake Barron has a question. You have to bring it up. Who do you personally like more between Justice Haynes and Richard Young, the freshman running backs at Bama? I think it's a great question. Justice Haynes, instinctively, between the tackles, true natural running back. I like more. Richard Young's a big play guy. I saw Richard Young, and I'll be interested to see how, how he does catching the football at the next level. I said, And I'm not saying anything bad. Y'all asked a question. I just try to answer. I was at the Under Armour camp in Miami uh, a couple of years ago, and he struggled with his hands. It was a windy day, though, but the ball was hitting his palms too much. Um, so I'll be interested to see, because he's got to catch the football well to maximize the use of, use of his uh, speed and playmaking. So if Richard Young has some issues, lingering issues with his hands, if he's just not a natural pass catcher, that could limit how good he really is. But I like Justice Haynes more as a natural, instinctive running back, um, especially in that offense. Uh, we got one more Alabama-related question. This one from PJ Irwin. He says, how do you rate Bill O'Brien versus Tommy Reese? Both are best yawners, in his opinion. Bill O'Brien has taken that cleft chin further than any man has a right to. <laughs> hey, look, Bill O'Brien, even at Penn State, he, he reminded me of the guy that tried to, tried to I don't want to put it, he tries to put a square peg through a round hole, no matter where he's at. He's got a way to call a game and how he wants to do it. And it doesn't matter what the opponents necessarily are doing. It doesn't matter his own personnel. It, he's going to, I just feel that way. I've always felt that way about him. I felt them at, that way about him at the Texans. His, he didn't really adapt and he doesn't adapt his scheme. Um, Tommy Reese is a little bit different because he comes from the Brian Kelly school, first of all. And Brian Kelly is all about whatever it takes to win that day. So that, that, that means throwing outside. That means throwing outside. If that means throwing underneath, Tommy, Tommy, if that means running the quarterback. So does it mean that Tommy Reese is some kind of offensive wonderkin or anything like that? Because he's not. But he's a good, solid coordinator that focuses on how am I going to win this game today and tries to put his pieces in place. To, to make that happen. They, he tries to play a little bit more ball control, Jerry. Yeah, I think that's a big piece for Tommy Reese versus Bill O'Brien. Uh, those are my thoughts on that. Okay, we have a question from Zachary Kern. He says, we talk a lot about proximity being a big part in recruiting for families. Do you guys see in-state recruits not coming to Texas because our away games are so far away? Thank you, guys. You're the best. I think this is a great question. <clears throat> so the answer is no because Texas is moving to the SEC. And look, I mean, I think Texas is going to the best conference, best TV contract, most draft picks, all that. But there's some great venues in the SEC. And I think that parents, kids that go to Texas, 
Texas A&M, Oklahoma, whatever. Um, they, they get to go to great venues. It is the heart of college football. And now you've added Texas and OU to that. It just gets even better. I think the SEC is going to be where parents want to see their kids go for all the reasons football-wise, um, but also the trips are just unbelievable. I don't think it hurts at all. Uh, I don't think you'll see one single kid that Texas wants that's from the city Houston say, you know what, I think I'm just going to stay home and go to Houston because my parents can go to Baylor um, and, and, and uh, places like that. I just don't think that's going to happen. Jerry, I, I think you go to Texas and your games are at the Swamp, at Ole Miss. I mean, think about the venues at Bama, at LSU over a three or four-year period. Hey, what's closer? If you are if you grew up in the city of Houston or in East Texas, yeah. okay, say Tyler or – Beaumont or Houston or Longview or what's closer, Ole Miss or Lubbock? Right, no doubt. If you're from Houston, what's closer, Manhattan, Kansas or Auburn? No. I, I know the answer. You know the answer. Yeah. I mean, the, the majority of talent, and I, I'm not – Blake's a West Texas guy, <laughs> but the amount of talent in West Texas is somewhat sparse. It's good. But it's not as heavily densely populated, right? Mm -hmm. the The majority of talent comes from the eastern part of the state of Texas, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, from if you took Fort Worth through Houston or through uh, Austin, Waco, all that, and went east, mm -hmm. that's the where the majority of population is, is in the state. They're closer to LSU than they are, I don't know, but what Oklahoma State? I mean, yeah. so don't. My point being that uh, the Longhorns are are not going to be a, have a problem with recruiting because of distance. It, it's just not. I mean, they only have one other team that's even or two other teams that are reasonably close, and that is uh, uh, TCU and Baylor. Oklahoma State's even the third closest. Lubbock is is way far out west. So, anyways, yeah, uh, a couple of uh, <laughs> Dennis Donaldson casinos break up the drive east. That is. Very true. <laughs> um, we, hey, we, uh, Tita is very happy about that, by the way. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, we got to thank Robert Gaithright. He just gave a big super chat. Jerry, there's you a ton of jerky. He said, <laughs> thank awesome, you guys bro. for your commitment to the University of Texas. Hey, that's what that big old thing I got at Love's cost yesterday. $54 <laughs> and worth every dang penny. Um, <laughs> So, hey, there was a, a good question up here. East 8th on Jordan Davidson. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yep, yep, right here. Davey's coming with the, the good stuff today, the good one-liners. <laughs> uh, East 8, Jordan Davidson has the best huddle I've seen at running back in years. His ability to cut from slanting 45-degree one way to opposite through contact is eye-opening. I agree. I, and I've said this, Jordan Davidson, uh, Bobby, I don't know how much you've watched of him. What I love about Jordan Davidson, this is modern day 2025, top running back on the board. He has some natural instinctive stuff about him that a lot of running young running backs have to be coached to. Outside hand, ball and outside hand, and he'll switch it up in runs. That's a natural feel thing that a lot of backs have to think about or learn to do, and they still have to think about it. Uh, there was a couple of very – talented running back some of the best backs in the country that would only carry the ball in the right hand going left and it became an issue as their career went up 
more fumbles, less ball security, don't have the stiff arm finishing move with contact. This kid has great instincts. And uh, to your point, East State, he also has really good lateral movement skills and strength on contact, ability to play through contact. Uh, he's a big-time back, and I, I I totally agree. He's the best back I've seen in 2025, and I've been to Louisiana see Harlem Berry. He's very good, uh, but he's not a natural big running back frame. He's more of a very, very souped-up version of Keelan Robinson. I think he can get to 195, 200 pounds. Jordan Davison's going to be six foot 220. Um, and with all those instincts and that feet and that contact balance, he's big time. Hey, hey, Jerry and Blake, one more. I, I know we talked about the Texas players uh, that are going to be commits in action today, right? Mm -hmm. um, who are some, what are some of the other high school games going on tonight that you y'all found? I know, Blake, you were texting me this morning. About a lot of them are Friday games. A lot of them are Friday. Like modern day plays Saturday at Bingham, Utah in a big time game. Bingham's really good. That's a Saturday game. A lot majority of your Texas guys, Texas commits are playing Friday. Dominant McKinley, which I need to go over. I had a couple of Dominant McKinley questions. They have a jamboree, not a regular season game. They have a little jamboree scrimmage thing with like six teams. They're not even going to take the field till 9:30 or 9:45 tonight because they're the last game. Um, so I, if anybody asks, I will not have any updates on that. I guarantee you that. <laughs> um, but if somebody asked about Dominant McKinley. Um, look, I, not much has changed for me on Dominant McKinley since I was over there um, a couple days ago at Acadiana for a couple hours. I think closer to home is continues to be where everybody thinks this recruitment eventually is going to go, and it makes sense. I mean, Darius is – uh, the younger McKinley, Darius McKinley, is going to have two years of high school football on Friday nights after Dominic's in college. It's a really tough travel for a mom to get to be at Acadian and Lafayette and then turn around if your other son's in Columbus, Ohio, and try to get up there on a Saturday or even Norman. Not saying he couldn't pull what would be a surprise to us right now, but it's it's trending more closer to home, I think. Um, I think Texas has a good, you know, look, Texas is right there. Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, uh, the school's closer to home. I think Texas has a good shot. Look, the, the mom and Dominic are in constant communication with Steve Sarkeesian and Bo Davis. So they're talking to the head coach and the position coach. Um, and Texas has academics uh, working for them with the mom. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's a contested recruitment. We said it before. Once you put out these dates, and he put his out well, advanced, well in advance of when he was actually going to announce. Once you put out that date, these schools know, okay, we have a little less time here because this was a kid who originally was going to let this recruitment play out. But then when you throw September 1 at it, that changes the game. So they're they're feeling – Dominic's now seeing – talking to him Tuesday a little bit. He's now seeing the pressure of the recruiting process because all these schools know there's not a lot of time left. Like when I was at Acadiana, uh, Todd Bates at OU tried to get – he had tried to get in contact with the head coach and the D-line coach throughout the day. I think he talked to both of them that day. So these coaches are really wondering where they're at right now in this recruitment. I think schools closer to home have an advantage. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if Texas if, – if, look, if Bo Davis is in Acadiana for that seat, that game on September 1, that's that may be a good sign for Texas. We'll see. Um, because that's the game against Melvin Hill, the Texas commitment, who I did see Tuesday as well. No knee Oh, they're playing one another that game? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That yeah. is awesome. Uh, and, Bobby, to answer your question from a second ago, uh, 
Jerry already said Beckville Timpson. That's top 15 matchup. Dangerfield Gladewater should be a good one. And then uh, Bells and Munster. Of course, Bells is like a slot T team, but that's probably a top 20 matchup. But those are probably the biggest three what, tonight. What level is Bells and Munster that you pick, figured that one out, Blake? <laughs> he's got Craig, he's got Craig Way's list of games. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bells knocked Comanche out of the playoffs last year in like the second or third round. There's bit, bitterness, bitterness over the mic. Bitterness is coming. <laughs> right now hey uh, by the way friday night at smu if you're in dallas and you want to go see a high level talent game duncanville plays dallas south oak cliff now it's not the same south oak cliff with manny muhammad billy walton and 11 power five level players but duncanville will have power five guys on the sidelines okay so that aren't starting um at a couple of positions so if you want to see colin simmons alex january um, their junior quarterback, Keelan Russell, I think is tremendous at Duncanville. Best quarterback they've had, and I think that's what gives them a chance to win a couple more state titles here. Uh, but Duncanville, if you want to see a uh, DeCorian Moore, obviously LSU commitment, uh, five-star receiver for now. We'll see what happens with that long term. Uh, that's as much talent as you'll see on a high school field this year. And don't forget also DeSoto Allen tomorrow night as well. Oh, yes. wow. Another good one. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So... Uh, All right, guys, let's get to some more questions here. Um, if I can find. Okay. Oh, real quick, Jerry, while we're on the subject of high school football, Tyler Large says, does KJ Lacey play tonight or tomorrow? That is tomorrow night, Friday night on ESPN Family and Networks, and that's against Lipscomb Academy, which Bobby saw play IMG last week as a pretty good quarterback. But Sarah Land is Friday night, and I'm telling you guys, uh, K.J. Lacey's tremendous. Uh, the five-star receiver to junior Ryan Williams committed to Bama. He's looking at reclassing the 24. He's as good as you'll see. I mean, with the football in hand, he's as good as you will see. And then Antonio Coleman, the 2025 D tackle, 6'2", 280, really good player. Texas is offered. Florida, Alabama, every Auburn, everybody's offered him. You can watch those three, three of the top 20, 25s in the country in that game Friday night. All right, guys, let's do a question from the Inside Texas Forums. Uh, here's an interesting one. Longmire30 says, if they were in the same recruiting class, who would you rank higher, Arch Manning or Quinn Ewers? Mm. Man, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be quick and to the point and let Jerry pontificate. <laughs> I, I'd take Arch Manning. So. Well, I, Look, I love Quinn Ewers, but, I mean, I've, I said before we had that question, I'm not betting against the Manning at quarterback until I'm proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Look, oh, he, go ahead, hey, Blake, the thing with Arch Manning is you guys that, that haven't seen him at practice, every drill 
is like work to him. And he is in every drill. I mean, doing it exactly the way the coaches want it. I mean, it's impressive. Um, and I'm not saying that Malik and uh, Quinn are ambivalent about drills. It's just there's an intent. I mean, Arch Manning is jogging from one station to the other station. He's almost always the, the guy, first guy. Always. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, it's almost like he has a preternatural ability to to be get, get going to the next drill and get get in. I mean, it's just uh, so I, I would take I would take Arch, and that has nothing to do with Quinn because I think Quinn may have the most arm talent from a. I mean, the thing about I love about Quinn guys is I love how he feathers the ball into into places and can throw some people open a little bit. I've yet to see that from Malik or Arch to to that extent. So, but. If you're making me get, if you're making me do it, that's where I'd go. Now they're not the same age and all this other stuff, so there's a lot of that in, in between too. And then we got one more question here from the Inside Texas forums. Uh, it's and it's from SD Longhorn fan. He says, "Rank these five newcomers in terms of biggest impact this season: Baxter, Catalan, Hill, Mitchell, Muhammad." Wait, say that again. Baxter, Catalan, Hill. Mitchell Muhammad. I I think Baxter and Muhammad are in a different category than the other three. Jerry, what do you think about like I think Catalan, Mitchell, and Hill. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I think I think uh <clears throat> I think Catalan's one for me. I mean, I, I think he's the guy for me. Um and Mitchell too. I mean, he's put it on the board in the biggest games in college football. He was just injured last year. He had a really good freshman year at Georgia. Then he was injured last year. He's number two. <clears throat> Anthony Hill, three. Muhammad, four. Said Baxter, five. Just because, look, he's a freshman running back. Jonathan Brooks is a really good player. I would probably put – I would probably – even though I like – and, and you, you guys know we've covered this. I love what, what Muhammad has done this preseason. I would still put Baxter ahead of Muhammad because I think Baxter actually is going to get more touches in game. I so I I will say this: the fact that we're debating about five newcomers <clears throat> is a hell of a good thing. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Uh, there have been years where we're like, uh, who might help? So that that's a that's a a uh, feather in uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian's cap from a recruiting perspective and portal perspective. So we have a super chat here from Kabir Hussein. He says, how much time and or attention goes to recruiting during the season? Updates on Kobe Black and Ryan Wingo as well, please. Thank y'all. Thank you, Kabir. Uh, tons of attention. I mean, <clears throat> the Texas staff will be out at games Friday, September 1st. They'll be out evaluating players um, or going to see commitments. Uh, so, yeah, the evaluation process, recruiting, is it, it, it's, it's nonstop in this world now. Your in-house recruiting guys, <clears throat> guys that work under uh, Billy Glasscock, those guys will be – they'll do a lot of film breakdown, get some guys early on in the season, especially 2025, to the position coaches in those recruiting meetings and whatnot. Um, the, there's going to be a lot of – look, you'll see guys invited to games later in the season, the Texas home games. Those guys will be probably new on the radar that they've seen, whether they're out in person or on film on huddle early in the season. But, yeah, recruiting's nonstop, plenty of recruiting during the season. Look, 
even though you have 16 commitments, <clears throat> there's a few of those guys you have to recruit like they're not committed. And that's the other part of it. Uh, update on Kobe and Wingo. I think Texas still leads big for Kobe. Well, we'll see when he actually decides to let everybody uh, know if he's going to commit early or not. Um, I, I, I don't, I think in the month of September is a good bet. Uh, maybe early in October. Uh, I don't think it's going to December. Ryan Wingo, I don't think it's going to go to December either. I think we'll see when he uh, decides he's going to make a decision. Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, still the three there. He's scheduled to be at Texas September 16th, Tennessee September 30th. If he makes it that far to the September 30th visit to Tennessee, that would be interesting to me um, because I think Tennessee maybe feels like it's more Missouri-Texas right now. <clears throat> uh, Bobby, we have a couple of questions regarding this, so I'm going to go ahead and hit on this real quick. Cliff Beck Beckman says, good morning from Phoenix. Great show and content. Any chance for an IT gathering in Tuscaloosa before the game? And any given Saturday says, will you guys be setting up a meetup for away games? I, well, I'm definitely there. Um, I don't, I'm not sure ac actually where I'm going to be pregame at this time. Um, I've actually talked to a couple of different folks and we're trying to figure that out. I personally want to go uh, to Dreamland Barbecue at some point that day, uh, but there it's a madhouse apparently. <laughs> um, so we can't meet up there, but stay tuned. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, I'll let y'all know. But let's get together for sure. Okay, this next question. Isaac Darden says, I have a question. What does Malik Murphy have to do with to win the quarterback two spot? What edge does he currently have over Arch? What edge does Arch have that Malik needs to outperform? That's a good question. So I I'd love say this, this question. I love it. So yeah. I'd say this. I think when the depth chart comes out, I think Malik Murphy will probably be number two. I don't know if it would be an or if he's number two, uh, number three. I think, uh, look, I, I think the interesting part of this is if Quinn were to get injured for an extended period of time, what happens? I think that's a different discussion. Um, Malik, I think, is more consistency. Look, guys, he came, he, he came out pretty pretty raw as a quarterback prospect. So people think, well, you don't like Malik. They always say, no, it's not that. I'm, I'm just answering questions, honestly, for people. He has farther to go as a quarterback than anybody Sark's recruited since he's been at Texas. That's just the bottom line. When you come in and revamp somebody's mechanics, that's a long haul. So he's got to be able to do that in the scrimmages. That's got to carry over. So you got to go from being not being a mechanical guy to just being a quarterback after you go through this process. And it can take some time. Um, and the other thing, Bobby, I would say is you got, you can't turn the ball over. I mean, if you turn the ball over in scrimmages, especially passes that shouldn't have been thrown, that can, that's where you got to really improve. It's like Sark said. Sark said it in the press conference. He does some really cool things, but then he kind of got back to the consistency of it. Uh, that doesn't mean Malik won't be the first guy to take snaps late in the Rice game after Quinn's on the bench with the helmet off. That's not what we're saying. But he's got farther to go, but he's also been injured a lot since he got to Texas. So it set back his development. I'll tell you what I what I think of this. Too. So Malik's edge over Arch. I don't know if you've ever seen Malik. You guys have ever seen Malik Murphy in person. Arch is 6'5", 200 plus and well put together. Malik Murphy is a grown man <laughs> comparatively. He those two guys like like Arch makes Quinn Ewers look like like a pencil. I mean, he's just. Thin compared to, to Arch Manning. Well, Malik Murphy makes Arch 
looked like a little brother. I mean, he's physically put together. What does that mean? Well, durability in the pocket. Being able to see over people in the pocket. Malik is not a runner, but Malik doesn't get shy in the pocket. I, if that makes sense to you guys. He doesn't, he's a little bit of a gamer, in my opinion, in that regard. And one of the reasons why I think Sark took him in the first place. He has revamped his throwing motion all in a year and a half. Jerry and I talked about this. You know how many times people have successfully changed throwing motions, in, in my opinion? Like 5% of the time. They always, oh, we're going we're gonna to change Vince's throwing motion. Never changed it, right? I mean, they, they stopped, and, and that, that actually made him better. Malik has actually changed it and shortened it up. I talked to someone that was at practice the other day. Malik has the quickest release of all of them now. I mean, he's literally like this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, I'm no. serious now. Bobby and I are going to disagree on this one. I, I'm serious. <laughs> it's like that on the short stuff. If if you can disagree, though, my point is Malik has a lot of talent. Malik has to get better to Jerry's point about consistency, not turning the ball over, getting to his third, fourth reads. Okay. Arch has to be less robotic, in my opinion. He knows the plays maybe better than any of them because he ran this offense in high school. Unlike Quinn, unlike Malik, Arch has been running this Sarkeesian style offense for a while. The difference is he has to be less robotic. He has to become more of a natural player. Um, right now, I agree with Jerry. I think when the depth chart comes out, it says Malik two and Arch three, or it's an or with Malik Murphy listed first. That's that's where I'm at. And Jerry, I'm sorry. You can say who has no, the no, no. release. No, that's fun. That's why we have a great show. Um, by the way, somebody was like, somebody says that if Malik won a state championship, should that, um, you know, be a difference or something? I, I look. <sighs> Peyton, Eli, and Arch never won a state title at Isidore Newman. That should tell you people something about the talent at Isidore Newman. But they all played under duress in high school, and that helps them immensely moving forward. None of those guys won a state title at Isidore Newman. Two of them are in the Hall of Fame. It just On some level, that doesn't matter. People could say, well, I mean, like if Arch Manning was at Westlake, would he have won a state title? Sure. Uh, if Garrett Gilbert was at Is Isidore Newman in high school, would he have won two state titles? Hell no, he wouldn't have. So sometimes that's a little overblown. I'll, I'll say this too, um, as, as it relates to to that. I think Malik's a winner. That that's one of the things that that tells me. Uh, but uh, the fact that he's changed his throwing motion, guys, I I can't tell you how impressive that is. To, I followed this for thirty years. Yeah. I oh we're we're going to change his throwing motion when he gets here. We're going to get him to lower the ball. It never happens. Not successfully. Um, the fact that Sark has had that success thus far, uh, it bodes well not only for Sark as a teacher, it bodes really well for Malik Murphy's adaptability and coachability, which I can tell you that goes through a coach's mind when he's figuring out who's the backup, who's third string, all that stuff. That's a that's a positive marker for Malik. All right, Jerry, you mentioned them playing uh, against Rice when the game gets out of hand. So let's talk about Rice. Stephen Beagle says, given the win versus Rice is almost certain, what will you be looking for? That is, how do you define success versus Rice? Um, <clears throat> being able to run the ball, pass the ball, when you want, and do both effectively, offensively. 
being able to call call your shot. Um, I think leaning on people. Um, I think leaning on people in the run game is big for me. I think offensive line um, being an improved run game unit is big for me uh, because they're going to have to block plays. They're going to have to stay on those blocks split second longer this year because Bijan can make everybody miss and it, it, without blocking and still get 10 yards. That means Texas didn't block well, but you didn't have to block a play well. He could still get you. Um, this These backs are different. They're more downhill guys. Not that they can't play in space, but it's a little different. You want to see the, the, the interior of the run game uh, have some dominant moments against Rice and then be able to call your shot offensively. Defensively, I, li- I want to see Bobby creating pressure without bringing numbers. And in doing that, force JT Daniels into some uh, ill-advised throws. If you can bring pressure against the Rice without bringing numbers all the time, I think that's going to be a good sign. Maybe not for Bama. For, for, that's a different game, but for down the line in Big 12 play. I, Jerry, my thing on this um, is score the score points. Yeah. 28, 35 points, hopefully in the first half is a success to me. Um, and then defensively is a different story. It's not just pressure. It's seeing. How do I want to say this? It's it's not stretching rice. I don't want to see Texas have to commit more people to the run game even though Rice is a power run team. I hope that they can do that. That's that's the big piece for me. Okay, we got a super chat here from Ben Jacobs. Thank you, Ben. He says, who are the future captains from the 22-23 class, classes? Love hearing about these kids and tangibles. Baxter, all-around leader. Muhammad, ambitious. Brooks, professional. Burke, a grinder, etc. Okay, that's back up. Um, future captains of 22 and 23 classes. Um, look, Kelvin Banks, <laughs> I mean, is a leader of a 2022 class for sure. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Burke's more of an effort guy. I'm not sure he's a really a natural leader type of guy. You know, maybe a captain, um, possibly. Uh, but Banks for sure. I could see DJ Campbell in that role. Look, I mean, I could see Cole Hudson being a captain of a Texas team as well. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, 2023, I mean, it's a little early for me on that. Um, as far as who could be future captains, Bobby, you might Anthony Hill, Anthony Hill. I mean, possibility Cedric Baxter for sure. Um, has that those, but it, I'd want to see a little bit. I need a little more time as far as captains in the 23 class, maybe Jonte as well. He 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 seemed to emote that energy, Jerry, when we were watching practice. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, Blake, before you go to the next question, um, yep. Matt, I, I behind the scenes, I've been texting Matt. The Dallas Morning News had a, an article uh, this morning, guys. I want y'all to see. Uh, the photo, it's about Colin Simmons uh, and his autistic brother uh, that uh, is the headline of the Dallas Morning News here at Duncanville. Um, I, I thought I haven't got a chance to read it. I just wanted to share it with you guys. If you do get a chance to read it, uh, it's That's awesome. about uh, Colin and his uh, brother and uh, his uh, family. Uh, but anyways, uh, happy to share that with you guys and hope you guys go read that on the Dallas Morning News later today. And speaking of Colin Simmons, 
David Pruitt says, Jerry, is Colin Simmons or any other committed recruits helping recruit any of the five stars that haven't committed yet? Yeah, so yes, they are. But here's where I think recruiting's changed a little bit. Um, a lot of these kids are in their own lane. Um, NIL's changed the game in recruiting a little bit. Kids are more in their own lane now. It's not that I mean they don't they don't have group text and, and things like that. They do. It doesn't mean Colin Simmons won't put in a call to Dominic McKinley because he will. I think he may already have. He will. But I think we're a little different spots in recruiting now. Winning games and get grabbing that momentum helps, obviously. But one player having this, such an impact on another player. It's a little different for me. It's just uh, now Arch had a big impact on offensive linemen last year, right? And on the offensive side of the ball. But still, with that being said, every receiver didn't come to Texas. Right? I mean, so that that's where it's it's different, a little bit different to me. Like when, when Chris Sims uh signed with Texas, that next class was Roy BJ and Sloan. He was very much involved in those recruitments. Bobby can remember this. I think he hosted two of those guys at least. Um, it's a little different game now. Guys like Dominic McKinley's in his own lane. I can tell you that from being over there multiple times. He's going to make a decision. Him and his family are going to make a decision for him, academically, football, how far it is from home. So while he talks to Colin Simmons and, you know, somebody else from another class, an editor at Houston, Ohio State, somebody may call him, it's not as impactful as it once was to me. But momentum and winning obviously are still impactful, but not the same level, guys. Now, I think I think Colin being close with Kobe Black doesn't hurt. And then real quick to follow up on that, Jerry, uh, we know, I know what says is, is Colin Simmons still expected to take an official visit to LSU during a game this season? Uh, we'll, we'll find out. I don't have that information right now, but I, I you know, look, would it surprise me if Colin Simmons and uh, showed up on LSU's campus? It wouldn't surprise me. Cedric Baxter went to FSU twice last year after he committed to Texas. DeAndre Robinson will be on somebody's campus, probably Florida. Uh, Jarrett Gibson will be on somebody's campus. Probably Florida hasn't given up on those guys. Um, just like a Texas will have Wardell Mack at, at Texas on the second. So Colin Simmons, I'll be surprised if he doesn't end up on a couple of uh, uh, campuses here throughout the season. Okay, this next question, it's been asked quite a bit this week. I haven't ever had a chance to get to it, so I'm finally going to ask it. Steve O'Matic says, Bobby and Jerry, you have to cross the street facing a mob I of love this hooligans question. who loathe fabric polos. Choose four current Texas players <laughs> to lead you across safely. I'll well, look, based on this chat this bus. morning, based on this chat this morning, Bobby's going to wear a Texas uniform and be one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with Bobby Burton if Brett Yormark's over there. Uh, Byron Murphy, idiot. <laughs> Byron Murphy. Um, let's see who, who else is on my list there. Um, I mean, Byron Murphy's number one, like he's kind of the Casey Hampton. You could put him in an alley, and I'm gonna bet on him walking out of him. It's if it's him and another guy walking into the alley to duke it out. I mean, Tavondre's Alfred Collins. I mean, you look at him, people are gonna be like, oh my gosh. So, Alfred Collins is one of those guys. Who do you have, Bobby? I mean. I would definitely take Byron Murphy and Kelvin Banks and DJ Campbell. Yeah, D DJ Campbell would be <laughs> that would be. And I'm going to tell you, there was another question earlier about Cam Williams. Yeah, like if, oh, you, if, you're, oh, if you if you if you actually walk in with Kev, 
Cam Williams. I mean, they might not be able to see you if you're side by side him. You know, that? you just hide behind him. They can't get to you. That was actually um, that was a funny story, but I didn't mean to cut you off. So I was at Port Nature's Groves yesterday to see Jackson Christian, the 2025 offensive lineman at Texas Lobs, and that the head coach over there is Gary Joseph's son, and he was at South Lake Carroll under Riley Dodge when uh, when they played Duncanville. And I asked him, we were talking about who's going to be good, you know, and, and I, and he, had, and I, we were talking about Duncanville, how many D1 players. He said, that wasn't even fair walking out on the football field against Duncanville. When that, you've talked about Cam Williams and multiple other guys that were 6'5, 300 pounds. He said, it was like nothing you've ever seen. So I thought that was funny you brought that up. And that high school coaches say the same thing about Cam Williams. Hey, Williams, by the way, somebody asked, he is the, he's the backup right tackle. He's also the backup left tackle, even though we believe when the, the um, depth chart comes out, we believe on Monday, it will show Trevor Goosby as the backup left tackle. We think that Williams will actually be a flip-flop guy uh, for the most part, unless the game's out of hand, right? Yeah. And, and, and then it'll be a true second-team line come in. Oh, well, well, Ethan Burke could be on that list if he's wearing like a tool, be- a tool belt, right? The mechanic, if he walks oh. up there, you know. With a drill. The we a drill C- and- hey, we got CB4. Um, we got CB4. We got Loaf. Yeah. Uh, we got the mechanic. Yeah. What are we got? Bug. What are some of the other? Uh, we, we got two bugs. Are- we got one bug with bug with one G is Jaron. Bug with two G's is Keaton. Keaton I believe. Crawford. I think yeah. Justin Wells said that's correct on both of them. Um yeah, I know who what I don't know what else. What is Jonte? Jonte's gotta have one, right? Well, it's it's John it's Jonte's world, I think, according to (laughs) Xavier Worthy is just X. Yeah. There's some we need to we need to write all these down. Yeah, we do. We need to have a scroll, we need to have a scroll across the bottom with everybody's (laughs) nickname. (laughs) Okay, guys. PJ Irwin says, Who is our enforcer, if anybody, on offense? The opposing player discouraging anyone from cheap cheap shotting our quarterback and remembering those who do. They have two. Um, they have two. Kelvin Banks and DJ Campbell is gonna be right up there with him. Figure that's where you're going to go with that one. All right, Larry Trevino says, "What's up on Texas football? What do y'all think about Jare Bledsoe playing running back on short and goal, given that he has a lot of experience in high school? I believe he's a huge breakout on defense this season. Hook him from Abilene." I know. Um, Byron Murphy's kind of that fullback blocker guy, I think, in goal line. Jare Bledsoe, that's just that's not him. Um, Jare is look very athletic guy. Um, but that's not where you would use him uh, in, in a role like that. That's Byron Murphy, the, the the shorter, powerful guy that played running back growing up that just grew into a defensive tackle who's 6'1", 300 pounds, and has played that position and been asked to do that before in high school. All right. We got a, time for a few more questions. Let's do the super chat from Menu2Sports. He says, when is the last time y'all remember so much animosity over the second string quarterback? Sark has a room unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere. Well, Bobby, that's two times. I mean, when Chris Sims was one and Major was two. And then maybe when Chance Mock was one and Vince was two. And that went back and forth a little bit. Those are the two I remember. So I'll, I'll say this. in Well, at I, Texas, let me say this. Okay. It, when I was at Texas, and this is a, a true story, Jerry. There was a saying, and I think it still goes, the most popular person on campus was the backup quarterback. Yeah. 
Brett Stafford, Todd Dodge, they all went through that at Texas a little bit in the mid-80s. And I think it carried over over time. I mean, James Street was the backup to Bill Bradley for a while. Okay. And ended up winning two national championships. So I, I think that as I look at it, um, the backup quarterback at Texas is all, I mean, last year, Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, some people were team card. I mean, what I, my thing, and it, it, and I was at Texas when people would say, put in the major, put in major Applewhite during the middle of a game as soon as Texas was up 28 to nothing, but went three and out. And I, my point on this is that I don't care who the quarterback is at Texas. I want that person to succeed, period. And, you know, it's more for me personally about the name on the front of the jersey than it is on the back. And not every fan feels that way, and I get it because they have some individual rooting interest. Uh, Shea Marins and James Brown. I was going to bring that one up. was a great one. I mean, James Brown was a backup, then goes up to the Cotton Bowl and beats Oklahoma. Shea Marins comes back and is on the mend, but – you know, those were big debates. My my take it on my take on it more than anything is root for the one on the front of the jersey, and then the back of the jersey might be really a good guy too, and it, it all works out. So and somebody it. menu two sports came back and said over the second string quarterback, so second versus third. I, that's a good question. I don't remember one. Oh, wow. I don't remember that before. Let wow. me. I, good question. Let, let me try to think of one because there may be like, I think Peter Gardere was fighting somebody back, back before he took the actual starting role. It was him and maybe man, I'll, I'll have to come back to that. Let me look up in my, I'm going to get some, one of, one of my, one of the guys that listens to the show, by the way, has every single media guide from like the eighties up to the two thousands. And he reached out to me and I'm going to get those from him. Uh, he's going to, he's going to, we're going to go have lunch sometime and I'm going to get those and I'll be able to answer some of those questions like that. It'd be kind of cool. Okay. We got a uh, super chat here as it disappears on me. Uh, and of course we already went over this, but Bobby, he's, he's late to the show. Zachary Delgado says, I don't know if I missed it, but what were y'all thoughts on the commissioner's comments? If you can just run through that one more time quickly. I think he's an idiot. <laughs> I think he's a, a, a PT Barnum carnival barker. That's what I think he is. And I think he's stirring up people. That, and, and it wasn't even so much that it was Texas Tech. Uh, Matt, if, if you can, let's play this one last time before we go out, because I think it's that important. Um, the, the fact that he said that Texas and Oklahoma, we're glad we got them out of here early. No, they're not. They wanted 20 more million a year to, if they could keep Texas and Oklahoma. All right, let, let's go, Matt. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you, okay? And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. Hey, the only thing he should have done, he should have gone horns down, too. <laughs> that would have been hilariously awesome. 
Look, hey Brett, you're a wuss. Go horns down if you do if you get on that, that mic again. All right. Great point. Don't Jerry. be soft. Just go horns down. Soft? <laughs> you're soft. Don't be soft. <laughs> soft Brett, your mark. Soft Brett. That's what we're gonna call him. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to end on this super chat right here from DK Longhorn fan. He says, I woke up a bit late to see the start, but can we get y'all's Texas Alabama oh. score predictions? Right now, no, no major injuries. Um, I'm going 30 24 Texas. Wow. That's a lot of points, Jerry. Alabama can't overwhelm people offensively anymore. I, I just don't I, I don't think they can. Um I I think it's second game for Alabama with, with Kevin Steele as well as Tommy Reese, second game starting quarterback. I actually think Bama has more defensive talent than Texas has. Uh the big thing for Alabama for me this year. That was the most undisciplined Bama team in terms of penalties I've seen in over a decade. If they clean that up, then I think they become a better team this year. If they still struggle with that, look, I mean, they lost, a, well, they have 17 penalties at Tennessee last year, 15 in Austin. That's not Alabama football under Saban. So if they don't get that cleaned up, I think they're going to lose multiple games again. Bobby? I'm going, I'm a little bit, I'm not as high on either team scoring that many points, Jerry. Um, I'm in the 2017 range again this year, 1916, some kind of odd safety or missed extra. You know what I mean? Just something yeah. funky going on. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I, I Right now, I am picking Alabama, though. Um, if I had to choose because of the – defense that Alabama has stopping the run that being said I reserve the right to change my mind after game one for both teams uh because I this whole idea and y'all correct me if we're, we're going to do a season-long prediction show I'll, right. I'll just go ahead and tell you guys that we're doing that next week it's one of our special shows but here's the the piece I don't like season-long prediction shows because I can tell you right now after I see Texas the first day the first week I have a better feel for weeks two through 12 than I do prior to game one, right? I mean, I think everybody sees that and feels that way, right? You see a team, you see what their weaknesses are, their strengths are, what they can build on. But coming out of the gate, you're kind of like, what are they quite yet? And so uh, I'm in that 2017, 19, 16. I lean to the Crimson Tide strictly because it's in Tuscaloosa at night. And that's right. I, I did this last year. Right. Every I picked against Texas so often just because they beat a couple people. I wanted to keep doing that. So and it worked a couple times, Rob. <laughs> it worked a couple times. Oh man. I got 2720 Texas. Woo! There you go. That's what I you're splitting the difference. <laughs> yes, definitely. You are. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, anything coming up today? I know y'all are both speaking Texas X's events. Jerry, you're in Galveston. Bobby, you'll be in Dallas. But anything else today going on on the on the channel that anybody needs to know about? Yeah, I'm Justin and uh, Justin and Joe uh, are back today with questions answered. Uh, the one that I'm, I, they're, they're going to have a good episode, I'm sure. Uh, but the one I'm really uh, interested to see how it comes out, and, and I watched a little bit of it last uh, last night because they they sat there and they did it. They they worked on it for about a good hour. 
Uh, it's not an hour long by any stretch, but Rod Babers and Ian Boyd are doing a broadcast called Football Theory. It's got some graphics in it. Matt, our producers, worked on it a little bit. They're going to talk about uh, some interesting pieces of the Texas uh, Texas football team that I think you guys will really like. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes X's and O's type thing with uh, comedy. Very excited about that. Uh, appreciate our sponsor, Bird Dogs, as well, guys. Uh, that, that was nice of them to come along. For sure. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. We'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. want to thank all of our Super Chats, for sure. Uh, as Bobby said, we'll have more on here later today. And then tomorrow morning, we'll have a very special guest joining us. You don't want to miss that. It'll be a good one, for sure. Yeah, uh, kick, kickoffs right around the corner. Of course, Texas high school football starts tonight. And don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Ring the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a new video. And uh, yeah, so for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you in the morning.